athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. As always, thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. We've got a whole lot to get to on today's show. Joining us a little bit later on in the program, Stephen A. Smith going to join us, going to talk about his new book, Straight Shooter, amongst other things. And so we've had Stephen A. on the program before, probably last back during our our 10-year celebration back in 2015. And so he's going to join us today here on the program. I'm going to tell you what, a couple of significant things happened pretty much once we went off the air on last week. Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, now the new offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. That is significant for a, a, a bunch of different reasons for both Bieniemy and the Washington Commanders. I'm going to have more thoughts on that. Plus, NBA All-Star Weekend, your thoughts on, a, on the game on the slam dunk contest, on the three-point shooting contest, which Dame Dillard won. I mean, Damian Dillard is absolute. I mean, he is a beast, no doubt about it. You know, sometimes I look at when we have all of these lists and rankings, and you look at some of the players of today, and there are some players of today that should be in that top 75 list, and Damian Dillard is one of those players phenomenal with him winning the three-point contact uh, contest so I'll have some thoughts on that on NBA All-Star Weekend Mac McClung now a household name did you see the slam dunk contest that kid was absolutely tremendous former Georgetown player I remember when he played at Georgetown and when I watched Georgetown a couple of times Georgetown has just been in the pits the last couple of years. I mean, it's a far cry from the Georgetown I remember growing up in Washington. And really, Georgetown was a national phenomenon with John Thompson and as the coach. And then you had various players, Patrick Ewing. You had, you know, Allen Iverson, probably the last of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Porter, Otto Porter, you know, was, was, was good as well. Uh, but listen, you know, Reggie Williams and the list really goes on and on. You know, Sleepy Floyd and all of those guys in, in in the earlier years. And Ewing is the coach. Man, it just is not good. I mean, it's just not good at all. But Mac McClung winning the uh, slam dunk contest. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that today here on the program. So many things going on. You can join us here on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one give me a follow while you're there as well also on instagram at 
wear Donald. Let's start with Eric Bieniemy, and it, it was coming down late, late, and finally, Eric Bieniemy. There had been some talk, but it there there obviously it happened, and there was a press conference, uh, middle of the week. I think it was on Thursday, where Eric Bieniemy was introduced as the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Now, I mean, a couple of different things here, not even before we even get to BNME and the Washington Commanders. Could the Washington Commanders have just hired the successor to Ron Rivera? And specifically, could Ron Rivera have just hired his own successor? Now, if you look at the three years Ron Rivera's been in Washington, the first year, a losing season, but the Commanders, then the were they then I think they were the Redskins then made the playoffs. The next year, second year, not so good. I think maybe a seven and maybe a seven and uh, uh, or eight and nine record or seven and ten maybe. And then last year was eight and eight or this past season was eight and eight. So the results haven't been great at all. And but again, I mean, I think I think. Ron Rivera's an outstanding, he, he's been an, a really good coach in the National Football League, but I think if it doesn't go well this year, and let's say Biennemi has success, because you know the defense is going to be good, you got to presume that the offense is going to be good with Biennemi calling the plays, and we'll see. I mean, this is a this is a big risk for Eric Biennemi in a, on a lot of different levels, but I think if things go right, then Ron Rivera will be, still the head coach in Washington, and if things go right offensively, Eric Bieniemy and he signed a two-year deal, but Eric Bieniemy will be a head coach in the National Football League. We talked about this a lot extensively last week. I guess, it, I, guess I had some foresight, right? Like, we talked about this a lot last week as to why Bieniemy had not been a head coach. What were the reasons? Were, were some of the reasons because he's black, was it because he's hard on players? I don't. I, I don't think. Again, as I mentioned last week, I don't think it solely was because he was black. Other black coaches have been hired, and but I, I do think that if he if he is old school as is being reported, and you know you you got to treat. I mean, uh, you listen. Whether you like it or not, players are treated differently today. Than they were even 20 years ago, certainly 40, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So maybe he's hard nosed old school, but I think if he were white, as I said last week, though he, he would have gotten a pass on some of those things as well. I think so. That said, for whatever reason, he hadn't been hired as the head coach, maybe because people had questions about whether he was actually calling the plays. Although, as I pointed out last week, other coaches have gotten head coaching jobs and have not been play callers, okay? I mean, he still had the title of offensive coordinator, won two Super Bowls as the offensive coordinator, was the offensive coordinator of the best quarterback in the National Football League in the last five or, uh, four or five years. So I don't, I don't get it. Whatever the reason, he's moved on. Now, if he can take a Washington offense that has some talent at the skill positions, no doubt, wide receiver, you're talking about Terry McLaurin, you're talking about Curtis Samuels, you're talking about 
the young kid from Penn State. Um, you're talking about good, a good running game and Robinson and Gibson. Yeah, the quarterback situation may not be ideal, but I think that the team is high on how now could they go out and meaning the commanders and get a player in free agency? Maybe we'll see, but there's some pieces there. The defense is solid, has some good players up front. Maybe you resign, you know, Deron Payne in the middle to go alongside of Allen, who you already gave the money to last year. Pretty much everybody else comes back. Linebacker was an issue because of injuries. I think they tried to plug that the best way that they could. At the end of the day, the defense was very, very solid. I mean, you know, they picked the wrong time not to play well um, against, I would say, the Browns and the 49ers to end the season. But for all in all, especially the way things began, solid defense, pieces on offense. You add Eric Bieniemy to that, man, that 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 bodes well, I think, for the Washington Commanders. And again, Eric Bieniemy does what? Then what are you going to say? He does well, succeeds with that, right? Like when you have a Patrick Mahomes and you have the offense and you, and you have Andy Reid as the head coach, yeah, you probably will get overshadowed. But if you can succeed with that, with a second-year quarterback in Sam Howell who only played one game, if the if the commanders decide to keep Taylor Heineke, I, I, I mean, I would as a backup. They probably would pay him more than anybody else would. Um, and, 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 and an offense that, even though it has some pieces, just wasn't very good at all, and you can succeed with that, then what the, will be the excuse for Eric Bieniemy not becoming a head coach in the National Football League. So I think it's a risky move, but I think it's a good move for him. Listen, he's done all he can as an assistant coach, as an offensive coordinator. I mean, to, he could stay could he stay with Kansas City? Yes, but it would be the same thing. Andy Reid is still there. You know, they're still going to say, "Well, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got all these pieces." It's going to be the same thing. So I think it was a good move to make a move and specifically to a team that doesn't have a great offense. You can hit me up if you have any thoughts via Twitter at, at dware one at dware one D-W-A-R-E, the number one. Reggie Miller last week said that Mac McClung saved the dunk contest. And, I, I mean, I understand where Reggie Miller was coming from. I mean, I think, I, I think that's a little bit of hyperbole. I, I know there's been a lot made about the dunk contest the last couple of years I mean I to me I mean I, I guess I just you know now the all-star game is another thing uh, and we'll talk more about that to me with the dunk contest I mean I'm okay with it I mean whatever even the years past I mean yeah it may not have been great and it may not have been great as it had been in years past and yes maybe the best dunkers in the game didn't participate for whatever reason but it is what it is. I don't know what much, what more you could do with what they're trying to do with it. Mac McClung was absolutely fantastic. And not only that, I think the dunk contest in of itself was good, okay? This kid was absolutely spectacular. All of his dunks were great. His first one was, was like, like bananas. I mean, I was going crazy sitting there watching that dunk contest. And so I don't know if he saved the dunk contest, but uh, it was big time and he was big time 
during that dunk contest. So we can get into more of that a little bit later on in the program. Still to come here on Box to Road, the Grambling State Tigers men's basketball program, 18-8 and eight on the season, some big win, second place in the SWAC. Dante Jackson in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach of Grambling, going to join us on the program. Got the Florida trip on Saturday and Monday. Up next here on Box to Row, the one and only Stephen A. Smith joins us. The Stay Well HBCU Symposium Tour is coming to the 2023 TIAA-SIAC Tournament with new games, more t-shirts, new prizes, a live panel discussion, a live cooking experience with Chef Gennard Wells, your Box to Row family, and of course, your free COVID-19 vaccines. Meet us March 3rd at Savannah State University for the 2023 TIAA-SIAC Tourney. Together, we can do this. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, We'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines. 
worldwide travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-303-3398-800-303-3398-800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Stephen A. Smith, the one and only, the book, Straight Shooter. It's a New York Times bestseller. He is all over the place. He joins us once again here on Fox Row. First of all, Stephen A., congratulations on the success of the book, all of your successes. Welcome back to the program. And I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Absolutely. So, you know, what struck me from the very beginning, I've got a good relationship uh, with my father, my children, uh, particularly my sons, I think I have a good relationship with them. I think they would think that they have a good relationship uh, with me as well. That dynamic struck me seriously right here. Um, when you t- when you were talking about that and in, in writing this, did it bring up some things that maybe you had tried to sort of put behind you a little bit? No, um, it's is it had always been at the forefront of my mind or the back of my mind, whatever way you want to, whatever verbiage is is correct. I've I've always been mindful and cognizant of it. I would tell you that my sisters uh, were definitely affected by it because before anybody saw the book, they did, and to read stuff about what transpired, they remembered, um, but they had buried those memories decades ago. And so for it to have to be brought up again, it was very, very painful. I, they didn't talk to me for like two weeks, but I didn't, but I didn't realize that they weren't mad. It's just that it, it was so devastating to recall some of those memories, uh, some of the things that we had to endure as a family. I wasn't the only one that suffered. You know, um, I was the youngest, so someone could easily argue I suffered the most because I was the youngest and I was exposed to it at an earlier age than the rest. But nevertheless, it was what we endured together as siblings. And so uh, to bury those memories for so long in terms of the detail, they were taken aback um, and awestruck at the fact that I had remembered so many things that they had forgotten. And when it was re- when it was brought up again, it resurfaced. It was a lot to deal with as a family. I can tell you that. Seemed like a a complex relationship in some respects because while you mentioned, you know, him not, I mean, being there but not being there, I thought, I mean, that was mind blowing. But at the same time, to your point, you guys watch baseball games. You did some things together. Seemed like a complex relationship. It was. Uh, it was to me. It wasn't that complex, you know. He was in the house drinking his Budweiser, eating his pork chops, watching games. And so, if I wanted to watch sports, that's where I had to watch it at. Um, and that's how that happened. Uh, but that was all that happened. Nothing else between he and I, and, and had never really, really transpired. And so, it wasn't complex to me. Um, I will tell you that in a, in a perfect world, believe it or not, you almost would have preferred that your dad is gone. 
mm. rather than be there but not be present, be there, be gone five days out of the week, come back and all of this other stuff and constant emotions having to be resurfaced over and over again because my mother had to deal with so many things that she had to deal with and a residual impact affected all of us. And so sometimes you just find not, not being malicious or vicious in any way or even uncaring. You're just thinking about closure. If he was gone, there would have been closure. Over the decades, we never had closure because the situation constantly had to be revisited. Uh, so let me also talk about, you know, I got my M on for Morgan State. I know you're a Winston-Salem State guy. And I know we've talked about this. I've talked about this with you uh, before, but sort of in passing about your relationship, A, with Big House Gaines, B, with Winston-Salem State University, which you talked about in depth, not only the relationship with Big House Gaines, but also you talked about having to go home, come back. The teachers that really cared for you at Winston-Salem State University, you, you didn't realize how much they, they cared for you. Speak to both of those dynamics, Big House Gaines, the great the relationship you had with him, and then Winston-Salem State University as a whole. Well, Coach Gaines was clearly a father figure. He's a legendary coach. I didn't know much about HBCUs until I got there, until I got to try out in front of them. But doing my research on them and learning how he assisted in integrating the sport of basketball and, and, and what he sparked and spearheaded during the civil rights era, including winning a national championship back end of that with the great Earl, Earl DePro Moreau. I mean, his record uh, speaks for itself deified in the minds of many in the basketball community because he's such a legendary, iconic figure. But to me, he was also a father figure because we talked all the time. We'd sit in his office. We'd talk about a lot of different things and he'd educate me about, about life and about what I needed to do to succeed and how I didn't, I shouldn't expect compassion and didn't expect, but so many people to give a helping hand to somebody that wasn't willing to help themselves and put forth their due diligence in order to be all they could be. So he was definitely about the big, the bigness of accountability, understanding what came with that. And he was big on that. Um, in terms of the professors, obviously the professors were great to me. Um, and what you're alluding to in the book is, is the head of the financial aid department, Mr. Theodore Heinzman. Um, he was an individual that I loved dearly. And, you know, he was had this perpetual smile on his face. He drive me crazy. Didn't matter what was going on. He was always smiling. And this one time he didn't smile at all. And it was when I returned to school after quitting and leaving school for about eight months. Um, he didn't know if he would ever see me again. I had never said goodbye to him. I just quit because I was depressed. Because um, because I had uh, I was gonna have to forfeit my basketball scholarship because I cracked my kneecap in half and I couldn't play basketball and my mother's insurance because it was a D two school and they didn't have facilities that you have the big D one programs in order to get rehab I was gonna have to go back to Queens New York to get rehab and because the, her insurance wouldn't cover me in North Carolina and so knowing that I had to leave school and whatever I was incredibly incredibly depressed about that. Um, and I said goodbye to Coach James, and I said goodbye to my girlfriend at the time. And that was it. And so when I came back months later after rehab, ready to, you know, just revitalize whatever career I thought I had, um, Coach Gaines didn't look too pleased to see me and sent me to Theodore Heinzman. When I went to Heinzman, he was very rude, very dismissive, didn't want to say anything, and that was totally out of character for him. Never saw him treat any student like that. So much so that it propelled me to wait in the back of the building for him like five, six hours later when I knew he'd get off of work to ask him why he treated me like that. And he tore into me and talked about why did I quit? 
he said the second you was preaching us about you wanted to be more than just a basketball player. And the second you thought basketball was taken away from you, you quit school. He said he had an academic scholarship waiting for me, um, but I didn't return his calls. I didn't answer his calls, so I didn't know. And he was like, you quit on me. You quit on this professors. You quit on this school. And I never, never in my wildest dreams thought you'd quit on yourself. But that's what you did. He said, I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed to know you. And it was, um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old and, you know, there's, I can count on one hand in my adult life where I've cried. And that was one time I cried. I cried in front of him because I was that ashamed of, of, of everything that he was saying because I knew he was absolutely right. And I realized that I had disappointed him. I let him down and I had let a lot of professors down and I let Coach Gaines down. And so that really, really had an impact on my life and reminded me of the importance of commitment and, and just doing what you say you're going to do and making sure that, you know, you, the, the people who looked out for you, you strive to the best of your ability never to forget them and what their purpose is in your life. The one and only Stephen A. Smith joins us here on Botch to Row, the book Straight Shooter available now. You got to go and pick it up. In the book, so we hadn't talked about this, but in the book itself, I mean, you sounded like an all-star basketball player, right? Like your path to Winston-Salem State from the, from uh, what, what was it? New York Institute, uh, the, the Fashion Institute. Fashion, uh, right. Man, you, you, you are a baller, man. No, I, I could ball, but I, I certainly didn't have a resume that said it. I didn't play until my senior year in high school. I dropped 27 points at a tournament at Fashion Institute of Technology, which is what came, which is what compelled them to come to me and offer me a partial scholarship. I went there. We went junior college. We were ranked 15th in the nation at 35 and 4, but I was still coming off the bench for that. And then I left after one year to go to Winston-Salem State University. And when I went to Winston-Salem State, I cracked my kneecap in half. I tried out for the team because a former player, the Harold Funny Kit, had brought me down there. And funny, and, and when he brought me down there for the tryout, I hit 17 straight three-pointers. And I'm assigned to a scout on the spot. And once that was over, um, you know, I never shot like that again, as Coach Gaines always reminded me. I never shot like that again. Uh, so, you know, you got people that, you know, you know, they could ball, but they don't necessarily have the resume because they didn't stay there long enough or they didn't put themselves in position. In my case, injuries plagued me, playing on a hard cement, concrete in New York City. I came down in Winston-Salem with chronic tendonitis in both of my knees before my kneecap split in half. And so I never had an opportunity to really showcase what I could do, but I could ball. That was true. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith joining us here. On the program, hold the line one second for me, Stephen A. We've got to take a small pause for the cause, and we'll have more of our conversation with Stephen A. Smith. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women, for black women. 
And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the granite saves them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a... A big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was playing for Coach Day. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that, and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one, is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box 
to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. We're back here on the program, joined by Stephen A. Smith. You know, as someone who always says you, you don't like to get in people's personal business, you shared yours in this book. Was that difficult for you to do that? Um, Difficult, but necessary. And the reason why it was necessary is because of the chair that I sit in. Make no mistake, I didn't tell everything about my life. There's a lot about my life that nobody ever has heard about or know it will uh but what you choose to reveal you got to come full throttle with it you got to be real in terms of your upbringing in terms of what i wanted to use utilize the book first of all the title of the book is dedicated to my mother god rest her soul because she was definitely a straight shooter uh but also in writing the book i wanted to accomplish two things i wanted it to crystallize what my childhood was like and what level of adversity i went through to get to where i am but I also want the book to help shape and formulate for any reader out there why I am the way that I am in terms of accountability, the opinions and perspectives that I have, why I've come to be the way that I am, what I endured that shaped and formulated this persona that is me. Who am I? And I felt that you and everybody else out there had a right to know that because I sit in a chair every day where I'm on live television for at least 10 hours a day in judgment of the things people do. So I wanted to make sure everybody knew where I was coming from. Um, but they also understood I don't get personal. I might have personal feelings and I'll be honest about it, but that don't mean my commentary and my dialogue is personal. That's why I make sure I put it out on front street so everybody understands exactly where I'm coming from, who I am, and they can trust that I feel this is who I am. I'm not I'm not putting on any pretenses. Let, let me talk a little bit about quite frankly, because I can relate to what you're saying with this show, been on the air 17 years. You and and you made a great point. At the beginning, it was about the guests, and I feel you. And then to to the point. You needed it needed to be more about you, and and I and I totally I totally get that. First of all, who's the NAS the NASCAR driver that you the brother that you had on because you had him on your show. I wouldn't got him on my show. You're what, what was the brother that? What, was, you, what you talking about Hamilton? I'm no, 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 no. Who it was it no. Was, this was the, back in like 2007. I'm sorry, I don't recall. Okay, I okay. forgot. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I, I was just right, I, right. I couldn't remember his name. Um, right. But yeah, can you kind of speak to to that and really being able to establish who Stephen A. Smith was opposed to, like you said, kind of having the guests kind of be the main part of that show, quite frankly? Well, you got to pay attention to who the audience is um, and what they want from you. Uh, no matter what guests I brought on, no matter what success I've had with guests that I brought on my respective shows and what have you throughout the years, the data, the analytical data that repeatedly comes back is that the audience wants to hear from me. They don't want it. They don't care to hear from these other people as much as they hear from me. And so I got to give them me. And when I was doing, quite frankly, I wasn't doing that. 
the first guest was Allen Iverson, and obviously I had Prime Time, I had Michael Irvin, I had Keyshawn Johnson, I had Joe Montana, I had everybody pretty much, but Tiger Woods was on his way. I had Kobe and Shaq and everybody like that, and they were all planning on coming, you know, on the show, like you know Tiger Woods and, and others. Uh, at the end of the day, no matter what guest I had on, it was always about Stephen A. What you got for us. And so that taught me, you know, to make sure that I deliver on the goods when it comes to me, that whatever the audience expects from me, that's who I, that's who has to show up. Today. And that's what I've committed myself to doing. Two last thoughts. The, one of the most entertaining things I see, I've seen on TV, Wednesday, when Mad Dog comes on, that is must watch television, the banter between you and he. Right. I see the the mutual respect, as much respect as I know you have for him. It seems like when he's on the show, your game raises to a level it doesn't raise to when everybody else or anybody else comes on. And when you're talking, I can see sort of the really the admiration that he has for you. Speak to you all's relationship. Well, first of all, I think that you know, what I bring is consistent. It don't matter who the hell is on the air with me. I'm going to do me. Um, you know, whether it's Michael Irvin, it's Keyshawn, it's anybody else. But I'm proud of all the contributors and the great job every single one of them have done because they've helped make First Take what it is today. We've been number one for 11 years. But these brothers and sisters, both white and black, that come on First Take as contributors every weekday, I got to tell you, it's the most fun I've ever had doing First Take in my life. I've never had more fun than I have now doing First Take. Uh, but Mad Dog and I, Mad Dog's something special, man. And, and it's like people don't realize, first of all, he's in his 60s. He's got the passion of a 20-year-old. Um, he's an historian because he's been to most of these places and covered most of the things we only read about. This man is approaching his 40th year in radio. He's a Hall of Famer, just inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so to me, I wanted the audience to know this is the kind of folks Stephen A. Welcomes to First Take. I'm the executive producer now. So, you know, obviously I have a lot of say as to who's going to appear on the show. And to see somebody like Mad Dog, listen, his knowledge, his perspective is different than mine. First of all, he's more knowledgeable because he's literally experienced more. He was in the business covering events when I was in high school. Okay, so we have to remember that. Then second. He's been doing radio and he had the number one radio show in America for the better part of two decades with Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike Francesa. So that was uh, that was a component coming on first take. You had people. They didn't know who the hell he was, bro. This was, was, so, was so hilarious. Yeah. Kendrick Perkins. Oh, who the hell is this dude <laughs> talking this junk to us? Where did he come from? All that stuff. And I was like, you ever heard of Mad Dog Radio, the channel? It's his. <laughs> they, they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know what an iconic figure because all of these years he was on radio. He was never on television. So they had no idea. And, you know, you got football and basketball analysts. They ain't watching in high heat on the MLB network. You know, they don't know about him on, on baseball. All they're like, who the hell is this guy? And I'm like, that's Mad Dog. That's the legend. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because even though I get on it because it's so much fun, you know, I love the element that he adds. I love for middle-aged white folks that have been listening to him for decades to know 
that he can be made to be relevant to this generation of viewers who are watching because he brings a level of expertise and passion that can match any genre. And I just think it's important. it was important to do that. And part of doing a show is understanding that every minute of the show, you don't have to be the show. You can facilitate others being the show. Michael Irvin, his playmaker segment, me with my A-list and Keyshawn and Mina Kimes and them getting at me. Mad Dog with his What Are You Mad About? And other things that he brings forth. Dan Orlowski with his board and dissecting football and swag Marcus Spears and Ryan Clark with their expertise. You can facilitate others being a show within the show. That's what it's all about. It's about sharing that wealth. That's what teams do. And we are definitely a team. Last thought. And I like, uh, you're right, because I like I like you. I like Mad Dog. I like all of them, but particularly my favorite, Mad Dog and Michael Irvin. You and Michael Irvin are great. No doubt. Yes. Last thought. Mentoring, to, to, to the point, a lot of, lot of the guys, Ryan Clark, et cetera, call you big bro. Speak to mentoring these guys and bringing guys along in this business. This doesn't last forever. There's a period at the end of every sentence. At some point in time, no matter how successful you are, everything comes to an end. And in the end, true success is when you have successors to point to. Successors that you facilitated being successors because they knew you wanted them to succeed every bit as you wanted it for yourself. And when I look at Marcus Spears, when I look at Ryan Clark, when I look at the playmaker who's like a brother to me, I look at all of these guys um, and ladies, Kimberly Martin, Monica McNutt, Molly Karam, you know, I mean, all these folks. It's my sincere hope that when my ride ends, I'll get a big hug and a big thank you for what I tried to do for other people when I was at the top. Because that's all you have to lean on at the end of the day, bro. I mean, I, I, I plan on being successful for years to come, but it ain't going to last forever. And, you know, when my day comes, when, when it's the end of the road and it's time for somebody else to be in my seat, in my chair, you know, it's my hope that whoever the, that person or those people are, people that knew I cared about them and believed in them to help them get to this place where it's all right for them to replace me, you know? And so that's how I look at it. And, you know, they are brothers to me. I love Ryan Clark like a brother. He does his pivot podcast. I think he's doing a sensational job with Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder, a swag Marcus Spears. That's my little big bro as well. Kendrick Perkins. That's another dude. I love him to death. Um, of course, the playmaker, Urban Keyshawn, has been my brother for decades. We've been tight. We 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 are we are road dogs. We roll together. That's my man, and the whole bit. And I just want, you know, it doesn't have to be first take. It could be something else. It could be anything. I just, it's just very very important to me that they succeed. It's very important to me that all the names that I mentioned end up successful because without them, first take wouldn't be what it is. I couldn't be in this position if they didn't bring what they brought. And I'm in turn, especially after Max Kellerman departed and what have you, I couldn't thank them enough for what they've done for me. And so to me, the least I can do is do everything that I can to ensure that they're successful 
every bit as successful as they made me. Get the book Straight Shooter by the one and only Stephen A. Smith in stores now joins us here again on Box to Row. Stephen A., appreciate the time. Thank you for doing this continued success in all you do. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, my brother. I like that sweatshirt, by the way, Morgan State. I feel you on that. I like that. It's pretty fly. Yes, I appreciate it. Big, big house games. That's right. That's right. Uh (laughs) All right. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Take care. The one and only Stephen A. Smith joining us here on the program. You can react to anything that he had to say. Hit me up via Twitter at DWare1 at DWare1. We talked a lot about what's in the book. And I'm telling you, if you you've got to go and get the book, it is absolutely awesome. I mean, it was a lot more. I want to talk with him about hosting uh, Jimmy Kimmel live. What was that? A couple, maybe a couple of years ago now, maybe, maybe a year and a half or so ago now. Thought he did a really good job with that. I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, you only have but so much time. And so you want to be able to maximize the time as much as you can. And so I thought uh, we did that. Again, your thoughts on anything that Stephen A. had to say, hit me up via Twitter. At DWare1. At DWare1. Up next here on Box to Row, the Grambling Tigers men's basketball team has won six straight games, second place in the SWAC. Ty Jackson, the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, joins us. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. 800-932-5517. That's 800-932-5517. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. row. Let's keep things moving here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling. The Tigers have won six straight games, getting ready to go on the Florida trip, as a matter of fact, to Tallahassee to play Florida A&M on 
Saturday and Bethune-Cookman on Monday. Dante Jackson again in his sixth season as the Tigers head men's basketball coach joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Coach Jackson? It's been a while. Welcome back to the program. Oh, thank you, man. I thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me back on the program. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Absolutely. Your thoughts in terms of where the team is now and how you're playing to this point. Again, you won six straight ball games. We've won six straight, but I still think there's improvement for us. You know, I think there's more for us to do, more for us to improve. Uh, defensively, we've been playing some really good basketball, but offensively, we've been getting stagnant in that places. And we got to do a better job of taking care of the ball, making, making free throws, and just having good ball movement and player movement so we can just make sure that ball's going inside and out, inside and, out and attacking the basket. Anytime you can get a win against your rival, it's always good, right? You get the win against Southern, but you get it, get a lot of exposure doing it because you're in Salt Lake City around All-Star, NBA All-Star festivities. How much more special was it to win that game and then speak to the experience of, of playing that game and being part of NBA All-Star Weekend? Well, for first and foremost, you know, with Southern being our rival, it's always special for us to win that game. I mean, I don't care where we play that game. If we played that game in Salt Lake or or, or, or on a on a on a top lot, but you know, we, we want to win that game. So that's one of the most important games. You know, everybody got that circled, and you know, we went out there and played well. And I got to give hats off to Coach Woods and his team. He had his guys ready to compete. So just a good game. Now. With it being an all-star weekend, incredible environment, like incredible weekend for our guys. I mean, the exposure was incredible for our guys. It was a first first class event. And just happy that we had to, we had a chance to be a part of it. And just our tradition got to show on the big stage. Yeah, what what was different for your team in terms of the win opposed to the loss at Southern back on January the fourteenth? Well, I think the major difference is that, you know, we had Cartier, Gordon, and Tremichael Moten playing. You know, that that, that first game we were out, uh, Gordon was injured, uh, Tremichael was injured, so we had two, two of our main cogs in our offense was out, you know, and, you know, we still went out there, put up a good fight, had chances to win that game down there, but unfortunately we came up short. Uh, the difference in this game is, you know, Gordon had a great performance on a – they gave us 14 points and seven rebounds inside. Tremichael had the game-winning layup, uh, you know, kind of, you know, to kind of stretch it out, out. I wouldn't say game-winning layup, but, you know, the layup to really kind of take the lead up, up so that they couldn't get back in the game. So super excited about just the way both of those guys played and how they just, you know, helped, helped us stay composed during some tough moments. You know, it's been really tough going for the SWAC. I would say overall, if I'm, if I, if I'm thinking back, maybe at least the last 10 years when you're talking about playing these so-called money games early in the season, but you get two wins against, I guess, in essence, what would be football programs, Power Five uh, programs in Colorado and Vanderbilt early on. Speak to how well you had a really good out-of-conference schedule. You competed. You won some games. Speak to how well you played early on and how that's transitioned into how you're playing so far in the SWAC. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, we, our out-of-conference schedule was, 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 was tough. Uh, and I believe the preparators for the SWAC, you know, going out there playing Colorado and, and playing Vanderbilt, you know, having those wins, even the UTSA, you know, that's supposed to be a really tough conference USA team. You know, you having those three wins under your belt between, you know, a, a, a SEC, a, a, what is that, a Pac-12 and a, a Conference USA. And like I told our guys, you know, it's not going to be easy days in the swag because the swag's really good. We have to play good brand of basketball. And just like we got wins out of conference, there's several other teams in our out of, got, got wins out of conference also. So 
night in, night out, we got to bring our A game. And, you know, our guys are buying into the defensive philosophy of just being able to lock people up. Now we got to do a better job of rebounding and make sure that all, all those things that we did non-conference continue to carry over during our conference play as, as we wind down conference. Dante Jackson in his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling joins us here on Box to Road. The Tigers in second place in the SWAC in 11-3 conference record on the road the next two games, the Florida trip at Florida A&M on Saturday and Bethune-Cookman on Monday. Let me, let, me, let me take you back to last year. I mean, last year had to be really tough uh, for you, really first time in your career that you had a losing season. Uh, nine and nine in swag play, but under five hundred for the season. You, you, how tough was last year for you? Ah, uh, you know, listen, it made you do some reflecting. <laughs> I tell you that much. You know, it was my first time ever having a losing season uh, since being a, as you know, the tough part as a, as an assistant coach, as a player, as a head coach. It was my first losing season. Uh, besides my first season at Wisconsin Milwaukee, so and uh, I learned a lot about that Wisconsin-Milwaukee situation as a freshman, and, you know, I didn't want to go lose. I went to Central State, played really well for Michael Grant and Doug Lewis, and became an assistant coach, won big, became the head coach, won, you know, got to Stillman, won, got to Grambling, we've been winning, and, you know, to have that losing season was just something to reflect on about at times, you know, in life, you know, it's always a lot of lessons to be learned. And sometimes in losses, it's a lot of lessons to, you know, to, to go through. And, you know, it made me just, you know, question where I wanted to be and, what I wanted to do and wanted to show how, we, how I can uh, bounce back, you know, because that's the main, the main thing I tell our kids about life. You know, when you're down, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. You got to be ready to bounce back. And, you know, last year was one of those years, you know, we kind of got beat up. And you had some injuries and first time in my career having injuries and having to figure it out. But at the end of the day, I told them this year we're going to bounce back and we're going to bounce back in a major way. And you did that. What, what do you think the major reason is you've been able to bounce back uh, I mean, you've really bounced back. Like you're talking a 12 and 20 season on last year. You're talking 18 and eight with to your point three wins uh, over major uh, college programs or major conferences or programs within major conferences. W- why? W- what's been what's been the difference in this turnaround this year? I would say it's chemistry. Uh, it's the chemistry with our group. Uh, our, our student athletes, you know, we, we, we brought in some guys that didn't have chemistry. We went the portal direction, and the portal just didn't work the way we thought the portal would work. So, this, you know, last year when we were done with the season, I wanted to be strategic, you know, and put together a team that I knew could compete. And the good thing is we, are, we had nine returning players. And chemistry is everything when you're out on that basketball court, you know, because guys got to be willing to sacrifice for each other. So, we had those nine returning players that's been willing to sacrifice. We brought in some guys that we felt like was winners. You know, I always feel like a winner is willing to sacrifice. So we brought some winners in, and from that point on, I was told myself, man, I'm going to be demanding as, as hell. Like, we're going we gonna to demand greatness every day, and, and that's, 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 been, that's been the big picture. Dante Jackson, the head men's basketball coach at Grambling, joins us here on the program. I mean, you're shooting well as a team, 45% from the field. You look at three-point range at 35 Percent. Let's talk about some personnel. I mean, you've got some guys, Cameron Christian, um, you know, obviously lead you in scoring at 13.2 points per game. And I don't want to mispronounce his name. Uh, is it Carter Ari Gordon? Uh, right? He's at 12. 12- Cartier. Cartier. It is Cartier. Cartier Gordon. Okay. It is Cartier. Cartier. Yeah. So Cartier Gordon at 12.1 points per game. Uh, just speak to the way those guys are playing and some of the way some of the other guys are playing. Again, you're shooting well at 45% from the field as a team. 
Well, I mean, Cam and Cartier makes us go. Cam gives us that outside presence. Cam, Cardi gives us that inside presence. And, you know, they're, 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 they're a big-time duo. You know, when they both are playing well, we're hard to handle. And, you know, and that's just been the best part of both of those guys, you know, being together and getting to know one another. You know, they're willing to sacrifice for each other to see each other play really well. But, you know, even if when Cam and Cardi isn't going, we got Shondarius Coward who has really held it down for us, especially with Michael Moten being injured the first half of the year playing point guard. He's been, he's been big time for us, and he's our leader, you know, defensively. He's our leader on and off the court. So I'm just, just happy with the way Sean Darius has been playing. And we just got a great group of guys man, that's all buying into their role and want to be successful. How tough is this? Is it a tough trip? Like, like I mean, it's tough always on the road, right? But, I mean, you're on the road for quite some time when you make that Florida trip. How tough a trip? I mean, this is your sixth year in the SWAC, although you didn't really make this trip only the last – Three years or so, because Bethune Cookman and Fam, you have been in the in the SWAC the last couple of years. But how tough a trip is this? Oh, this is a tough trip. I mean, it, it goes along with every other SWAC trip. Every other SWAC trip. I'm Coach McCollum, Coach Sears do a phenomenal job of preparing their kids to win basketball games. They have talent on their teams. You know, you got to come in and be ready to play. And then, and just like any other SWAC environment, it's going to be hostile. You know, there's not an easy road game in our league. I mean, the Pac-12 found that out when they came down and played us. So, you know, night in, night out, you got to be prepared to play. and You got to be ready to go in these games and do the little things to win. Yeah, is this does this team remind you of any of your other teams, particularly early on, because you had some success immediately, first year, seventeen uh, and fourteen. Does this team remind you of any of those teams? Well, no, a team's different. You know, it's just a different makeup. You know, uh, different makeup. Every team is different to me. You know, I, I've had some teams that that reminded me of some other teams, but if I had to compare this team, I had to compare this team more to one of my Stillman teams, where you know we won pretty big there. Uh, we had a really good wing player, really good post player, and you know we had some good guards. And I think that's what we got right now. We got good guards. We got a good wing player. We got a good post player, and we got other good bigs that can come in and help us. And that's been one of our major things. You know, with Cartier being down at times, and then John Akuka can step in, Malik Malin can step in, Josh Phillips can step in. You know, just having depth is is important and having depth that's willing to sacrifice and play a role is really important. And that's, I think that's the major thing for us is that everybody's willing to sacrifice to play a role for everybody to be successful. And then your thoughts on some of the challenges that the Rattlers present to you on Saturday. Oh man, we, we got to get out there and guard uh, Dominguez Stevens and we got to do a good job with Tillman. Like those two guys are really, really good, really good shooter, really good crafty playmaker. We got to get in, make sure we do a great job of rebounding the ball, limiting them to one and done. And then more importantly, we just got to make sure we take care of the ball and just make sure we take good shots. It's always a contracting style. We like to play a little fast. They play a little slower. So, you know, those those little things, we got to make sure we keep the tempo to where we want the tempo to be and, and not let them dictate tempo. Dante Jackson, sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Grambling. The Tigers 18 and 8, second place in the SWAT currently at, at 11 and 3 on the road on Saturday against Florida A&M, then Monday against Bethune-Cookman. Coach Jackson, appreciate the time. We've been doing this for many, many years, going back to your days at Central State. Always enjoy it. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure being on your program. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Coach Jackson. We go back a long ways. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Stephen A. Smith for joining us today here on Box to Row. The conversation will be on our website early next week at BoxToRow.com where you can find other great information as well. Also on the Box to Row YouTube page. Joining us next week on the program, 
actors Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors to talk about their roles in Creed 3. And always remember to support those that support your box. Toro is by DW Communications. Loving you is like a song I replay Every three minutes and thirty seconds of every day uh, And every chorus uh, was written for us to recite right. Every beautiful melody of devotion every-